Hello everyone, welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum, where you will hear about car news, car culture, and car talks. Here's your host, Cody Wagner. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another podcast. Now before we actually get into the news or anything else, we're going to do 10 minutes of facts that I know. So we're going to start with this. Did you know that the Dodge Brothers actually worked for Ford before they started their own company? They used to work for Ford. How interesting is that? Did you know that the Ferrari logo was actually inspired by a fighter pilot? I can't remember if it was World War II era or not, but the logo itself was on the plane, and Enzo Ferrari took it and put it on his cars. So there you go. Like I said, I guess now Ferrari are kind of like Saab, except they didn't actually make any fighter planes, but the logo's inspired by it. So fighter planes for the road because of the logo. Yeah. Did you know that Lotus actually tuned the first generation Dodge Neon suspension? It's true, Lotus actually tuned it, and that's why it was so fun to drive back then. It's because Lotus had actually tuned the suspension to make it comfortable and fun and all, and things like that. And that's why it was actually so good in the SSCA when they took it racing. Did you know that Dodge started out making motorcycles? So before Honda and anyone else started making motorcycles, Dodge did. Temporarily, of course, because then they moved to cars, but Dodge is in that group of motorcycle-making elite. Though I guess it's not really elite, but they didn't do it for that long. Did you know that Dodge, the company, was actually founded in 1900? So what that means is Dodge is actually 100, the company, or the name, is 116 years old. 116 years. Years. That's a century and a decade and six years. Just amazing. Some Some of you might know this, but did you know that the founder of Lamborghini, I pretty, I believe I know his name, but I'll just butcher it started making cars after Enzo Ferrari said he couldn't. Out of rage and spite, Lamborghini, we'll call him Mr. Lamborghini for this, Mr. Lamborghini decided, you know what, I'm gonna make a car and show you I can make cars. Hmm, hmm, yeah, and that's how we got the Mira and all the Lamborghinis we have now today is because Enzo Ferrari said something that wasn't probably meant to be an insult, but Mr. Lamborghini took it as one. Did you know that the original Ford GT was created to destroy Ferrari at Le Mans after a deal with Ferrari was canceled? Yep, this was back when Carroll Shelby was with Ford, and they were about to have a deal with Ferrari, so either Ford was going to own Ferrari or they were going to be partners. But Ferrari pulled out, and Carroll Shelby, to say he was less than pleased is, sorry, pleased, is quite an understatement. As he was just livid, he was just so angry. So thankfully, he made the Ford GT, which is a legend now, and he succeeded in destroying Ferrari at their own game. Which is really quite embarrassing for Ferrari. (laughs) Did you know that the Dodge Viper has its camshafts inside the block? So what that means is the camshafts are in the block of the engine, which gives the car a lower center of gravity, meaning it can handle better and better weight distribution. Did you know that the Tesla Model S can only go about as far on a charge that a Viper can on a tank? The Dodge Viper, for what I remember reading, can go about 200 to 250 miles on a tank, okay? The Tesla Model S can do the exact same. What's so bad about that? A reg- well, regular car, the Tesla Model S, can only go about as far as a charge as a Dodge Viper, a supercar, can on one tank of fuel. I mean, if you're driving very carefully, of course, but how is electricity supposed to save the world Like when a Tesla Model S can only go about as far as a Dodge Viper can on one tank, or in this case, one fuel cell? I'm sorry, but electricity is just not there yet. Though I've been rambling on about this many times before, so we'll just stay away from it. Also, recently I got a new game called Track Day Manager, 
So, I installed the game, got in game, and I immediately had to buy a car. Guess what I bought? A Viper. I assume I had about 1010000 left. I didn't actually look at the money, probably because I couldn't find it. But the car cost $195,000, okay? So I bought the car, got into my garage, and I immediately started spending my money buying parts for it and making it faster and things like that. So I think I had about 10000 left because the, by the time I was done, I had about a grand or two left. And if, it was, uh, if I was at five grand, I wouldn't have been able to do the upgrades I did. I tried to do the first race, but I had to wait through a... No, I didn't have to wait through a loading screen. I had to do a tutorial and get a sponsor in-game. So I did that, and then I had to do a quick race. Did the quick race. It was a 28-lap race on an oval. And I didn't do that well, because that, that one oval track is a track I'm not very good at. I can never get the strategy down. You see, the thing about Track Day Manager is you're not driving the car. You're managing how he does through the race, so you choose when to pit, when he changes tires, when he overtakes, things like that. And that oval, I can never get the strategy down, because I, I just, I cannot get it right. Because as soon as I get out of the pits, I'm either, you know, in the 10th spot or a bit lower down, and then when I pit, you know, right up in the front, get out, back down, or someone else pits, or the whole field pits, and I go out, try and get two laps ahead... And then everyone's pretty much caught up to me by the time I get out of the pits because I can't upgrade my crew to be faster. Well, I say I can't upgrade my crew. I didn't upgrade my crew because I couldn't because I didn't have the points to do so. So I was really slow getting out of the pits. So after that, after the tutorial was done, I went to do some cup races. And the cup races are three race events. That may sound short, but the track's actually fairly long. So, and most of them are like 10 lap races. But it's not the oval. Most of them are 10 lap races, so it's actually really long. And let's just say my car is a drinking problem. And I'll have to pit twice a race in a 10 lap race to refuel. And I mean, it doesn't help that I don't have economy upgrades. But yeah, so so I then I have to pit twice a race to refuel. And I could, if I'm on the hard tires, because you can change your tires to hard, soft, or wet. If I'm on the hard tires... I could probably last the entire race on just the hard tires. I mean, it wouldn't be good because everyone else would be on newer tires and I'd be slower. But I could probably do a whole race on just hard tires. But even if I don't do the ECU, which gives me an extra boost in the overload system, which makes the driver go faster. If I don't do that, then I'll be the most fuel-efficient guy in the race. But I'll also be the slowest guy in the race, which means I'll be last. And by the time I catch everyone in the pits, half the field will have already gotten on the track and I really wouldn't have made up any places. So you really have to mix between going fast and trying to preserve your fuel and or your tires. And some tracks I'm, I'm better at than others because some of them just make sense to me. But I always, always have to pit twice a race because I run out of fuel so quickly. If I do the overload, the old, well not system, but if I press the overload button to make them drive faster, then well obviously I use more fuel. But at that point, my car is just chugging down fuel. It'd be like trying to chug two bottles of beer. That's what it's doing when I'm in the overload mode. And then I put the ECU on, which changes how the car performs. Okay, so I get more torque, occasionally better efficiency, things like that. So I put that on at the same time, and then it's just chugging a whole gallon load of beer in one go when I put both on. And then I have an electronic boost system like here. It's basically Kears or Cares or however you pronounce it. It's that boost in F1 that they use now. And if I use that, that doesn't actually drain my fuel, so it's useful. So then I have three kinds of boosts that I'm using. So a triple whammy, essentially. Whenever I do those modes, it's like, okay, do it for 
you know, just so long. It's really, really bad. If I'm at like 50% fuel, halfway through the lap, if I'm continually using the overload button, I will be at 30% fuel by the end of that lap easily. And especially if I leave the ECU on. Also, another thing I forgot to mention is it'll also monitor your temperature, the car. So if you put the overload button on for too long, the car will overheat and it'll... You won't be out of the race, but you'll have to wait for the car to cool down, which can really mess up your race. So yeah, that really, it really doesn't help that I have to watch you know, temperature, fuel, and things like that. So yeah, one of the races I did, this was much later on, when I was getting better, I was really, really pushing my luck. And because I had to go do something, I just let the driver drive without anything on so I could save fuel, so I wouldn't be out of the race when I came back come back and I realized I should have I should have came back like two or three seconds sooner so I could have pitted because by the time I came back he was at like 19% fuel and he had a whole track to do and even without all the beer chugging modes on the car will still drink fuel pretty badly and so I was really worried because I was like okay I got 19% fuel and I gotta finish the whole race without without just crawling to a halt before the finish line so as soon as I round the corner I put every mode on so I can get as much speed as I possibly can so I can get as far as I can even though I'm going to be drinking fuel and I I ran out of fuel before the finish line but thankfully the car coasted and I just passed the finish line without any fuel in the car I was so lucky to have been that close to the finish line because it would have been terrible another thing was I, I did the same thing later on the next day except this time I was I had planned to pit instead so I could make sure I could finish the race. This was on the oval actually. But I had been so inefficient in how I was making my driver drive, I had just burned through that fuel. And so I went I went away to go help my mom with something, come back, put the pit button on so I could pit because I was very low on fuel. The guy didn't pit. And I don't know why, but I might have been too it might have been too late for the guy to actually go into the pits. That of the car next to me was blocking and I couldn't pit. So, I had about like 15%, no, about 12% fuel to finish the lap. And sure, it's just an oval, but it's, but even still, the car, by the time we came back around to actually get into the pits, I was using all the fuel, the beer chugging modes on. I had run out of fuel right around the time we were coming into pit lane. So, just before we got into pit lane, I had ran out of fuel and the car was just coasting in pit lane. And my pit box was pretty much all the way at the end where the corner was. And I was like, please God, do not, do not let this car come to a stop before I actually finish. Because that would be just so heartbreaking. So thankfully, someone else had pitted and gave me a bump start. Or not bump start, but gave me a bit of a bump. And I actually made it to the pit. I actually made it to the pit box on 0% fuel. And I was so lucky that that had happened. I mean, I might have made it without that bump. But it would have been far more tense, even still though I didn't do particularly well in that race because of how unofficiently I was driving. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this, and I will see you after a word from our sponsors. We've all seen them. Those self-centered drivers who think their cars are more important than everyone else's. They take up two or more parking spaces. Now you can let them know how you really feel with sarcastic parking cars. Go to www.howireallyfeelcars.com. You'll receive 12 different cards expressing what you think about their parking. These cards come in their own carrying case. Once again, go to 
www.howireallyfeelcards.com and get your cards today. Welcome back. Now, have you ever gone to a car museum? No? There's tons of them all around the country. In fact, let me go pick a few. There we go. Looks like I found a few. So, for car museums in California, you have California Automobile Museum, Blackhawk Automotive Museum, Marconi Automotive Museum. Those are the three I found. And actually, Marconi are closed today. Wait a minute. Today's Sunday, isn't it? So that makes sense. But those are the three in California. Now, why don't we check? Why don't we go look for Ohio? I wonder if there are any in Ohio. I think that could be pretty. There are. You have Canton Classic Car Museum, Bob McDormand Automotive Museum, and Snook's Dream Car. Two out of three of those are closed. But hey, it shows that there are some in Ohio. So why don't we go in Michigan? can't have some in Michigan, or sorry, in Ohio, and not have any in Michigan. You have, you have Gilmore Car Museum. Apparently that is the most popular one. Wow, we even got one at Florida. So you have Muscle Car City LLC, Desert Collection, and Sarasota Classic Car Museum. Those are the three that popped up immediately. Actually, yes, Alaska. I wonder if there are any. There is a car museum in Alaska. Fountainhead Antique Auto Museum. Wow. Can't believe there's one in Alaska. It's in Fairbanks. I was going to say Arizona. We have Martin Auto Museum, Dwarf Car Museum, and Franklin Auto Museum. All three of those are in Arizona. So now, why don't we try Alabama? Man, there are car museums everywhere. We have Wellborn Muscle Car Museum in Alexander City, apparently. Let's try South Dakota. Pioneer Auto Museum. That is it. That is by... In South Dakota, apparently it says Pilot Travel Center. Let's try Nevada. I wonder if they have one. National Automobile Museum. It's a museum in Reno, Nevada, which I'm pretty sure is nowhere near the Salt Flats. Let's try Indiana. Auburn Cord Duesenberg Automobile Museum. Seems like there is an automobile museum everywhere, like Iowa. It amazes me how these museums can find enough cars to fill their museums with. Half of the cars that they'd have, I would think, are rare and there's not that many and not enough to fill the whole United States. Antique Car Museum of Iowa. Montana. We will try Montana. Montana Auto Museum. Tell me, one in every state. Try Illinois. Volo Auto Museum. There is one in Illinois. Let's try out in Kansas. Oh, there. There we go. Museum of Automobiles. That is an arc in Kansas, apparently. And it's open today from 10 to 5. Or in other words, by the time this podcast goes up. Apparently, there are even a few in Tennessee. Floyd Garrett's Muscle Car Museum. Hollywood Star Cars Museum, with apparently featuring the Batman. Sorry, the Batmobile as well. And Lane Motor Museum. So those are the three in Tennessee. Why don't we try New Hampshire? We even got some in New Hampshire. Wells Auto Museum, New Hampshire Boat Museum, and Lars Anderson Auto Museum. I didn't know they had a boat. Well, to be fair, they're on the East Coast, so that would kind of make sense. Let's try New Jersey. Vintage Automobile MSM of NJ. So there is one. South Carolina. Let's go. No. Rhode Island. That's what I want to see. All Drain Auto Museum. So there is one in Rhode Island. That is cool. This There's bound to be one in Texas. National Corvette Museum. I forgot it was in Kentucky. My bad. Collector Car Showcase. Also known as CCS Motors. New York Transit Museum Gallery. And Vintage Automobile MS- oh yeah, that's the one that I had found earlier. Let's go to Detroit. Automobile Hall of Fame, I- or sorry, Inc. Or Incorporated. 
the Stahl's Automotive Foundation, and Roush Automotive Retail Store and Museum. Walter P. Chrysler Museum. Let's go to Utah, and then Vermont. Browning Kimball Classic Car Museum, Antique Classic Special Auto, and Bohuff's Car Museum. Wow. Shelbourne Museum, Bennington Museum, and American Precision Museum. Let's try- I really want to try some of the slightly wackier states. Let's go Maine. Maine. Is there one in Maine? Wow. Seal Cove Auto Museum, Owlshead Transportation Museum, and Wells Auto Museum. So there is some in Maine. That is awesome. But yeah, I really want to try some of the more outlandish states to see, to see if there's basically one in every single state. I tried Hawaii earlier. It didn't work. Oh, so that's an Oklahoma thing, I guess. Let's try Oregon. Western Antique Aeroplane and Auto Automotive Museum, or WAM, World of Speed Museum, and Antique Powerlands. There are really quite a few of them, even in some of the states you wouldn't think there are any in. I hope you enjoyed this bit of the podcast, and I'll see you after a word from our sponsors. We've all seen them. Those self-centered drivers who think their cars are more important than everyone else's. They take up two or more parking spaces. Now you can let them know how you really feel with sarcastic parking cars. Go to www dot how i really feel cards dot com you'll receive 12 different cards expressing what you think about their parking these cards come in their own carrying case once again go to www dot how i really feel cards dot com and get your cards today hello and welcome back we are going to do the news right now lotus starts rolling out the 311 and at least cup 250 top gear trouble matt leblanc fed up with chris evans Issues him or me ultimatum. FIA WTCC racer sport art car liveries at Goodwood. Nissan Note, or Versa in America, gets more stylish with black edition. And it's not. The car is silver. It's just got a few black accents here and there. LaFerrari crashes big during Ferrari cavalcade in Italy. And from the picture, it's beached over a rock. Tesla preps South Korean entry Model 3 to combat Honda's upcoming EV Armada. Revology will gladly sell you a brand new, officially licensed 1967 Shelby GT500. Is BMW prepping the i8 for all-electric jump? Probably. Mercedes AMG. Oh yeah, Mercedes AMG cages the animalistic GTR at Goodwood. G powers BMW X5M has more horses than a Lambo Aventador. The Toyota slash BMW sports car won't benefit from M's expertise, says report. And if you're wondering what I mean by M, you know, the M series, M5, M3, M4, things like that. Teen crashes mom's Porsche Cayenne and then shows horrendous parking skills by scraping the paint on the side of the garage door, which made everyone weep from 500 miles away. Bugatti Chiron spearheads this year's Goodwood Michelin supercar run. Tesla's Chinese factory could cost 9 billion, billion, with a B. Cry. <laughs> Our taxpayers' dollars are going towards that. <laughs> no, not really. Goodwood hosts new street legal McLaren P1 LM. Mercedes AMG's new beastly GTR with 585 horsepower. Nactoy adds. Wait, N A C T O I. Yeah, Nactoy adds Sport Utility Vehicle Award for 2017, which they should have done already. Special edition 2017 Honda Accord Sport now arriving in showroom. The 2017 Honda Accord is scheduled to hit the U.S. showrooms this Monday, featuring a new sports special edition sedan version. As prices for the entire range are set to start from $22,355. Maserati recalled 
calls Gibble and Quattroporte over gearshift problem. Aston Martin unveils 600 horsepower Vantage GT12 Roadster commissioned by a customer. Audi TTS goes head to head with Alfa Romeo 4C. Matching McLaren P1 GTR and F1 GTR light up Goodwood in Flurio or no Fluoro Orange. SCA stops using Takata airbag inflators in NAFTA. A Ford Focus RS is working as a taxi in Norway. That's gonna be the fastest and most fun to drive taxi ever. Lamborghini Aventador Special Edition pays homage to the Mura. Volkswagen of America kills Jetta Hybrid in model year 2017. Sorry, in model year 2017 house cleaning because they're too poor to have a 40 model model range. Sorry, 40 vehicle model range. BAC model now comes with carbon composite wheels. Yep, like it needed to be any faster. New 2017 Porsche Panamera leaks online. And it actually looks a lot better than the uh, original. And now, more on the Maserati recall. Maserati in North America is conducting a safety campaign surrounding certain Gibble and Quattroporte units from the 2014 model year. Produced between June 1st, 2013 and February 28, 2014, the vehicles are equipped with an 8-speed automatic transmission whose park mode may malfunction, misleading drivers which gear the cars in, leading to possible rollaway. Drivers thinking that their car's transmission is in the park position may be struck by the vehicle and injured if they attempt to get out of the vehicle while the engine is running and the park mode is not engaged. The NHTSA wrote in its wrote in its consequence of the matter. The automaker, however, is not aware of any injuries or crashes related to this condition in the 13,092 affected sedans, whose owners will be informed of the problem and will be advised to take a trip back to the dealers once a remedy software, which is currently in development, will become available. The first notification will be sent on July 1st, while a second one will be mailed when the software is available. This is the second recall campaign due to this problem over the last two months conducted by Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. The previous one affected 1.1 million, million vehicles worldwide and was eventually linked to 308 reports of property damage, 212 crashes, and 41 injuries as, automotive, as Auto News reports. Moreover, the Maserati, Gibble, and Quattroporte were, were recalled earlier this year for rear suspension failure and unintended acceleration risk. Volkswagen to pay $10.2 billion to settle U.S. diesel emission claims. Daimler reportedly eyes electric car brand to rival Tesla Motors. Fastest accelerating electric car to 0 to 60 in 1.513 seconds. Seconds. Wall, or B-U-H-L, unveils 600 horsepower per ton 05RR supercar. Track day car. Ford unveils new Mondeo ST line at Goodwood Festival of Speed. Or in other words, it's a Ford Fusion that's like a Charger RT type of thing. 503 horsepower Alfa Romeo Giulia QV arrives in the UK and it starts from 59,000 pounds or about 70,000 pounds. No, wait, sorry, that's wrong. 67 to 70,000 pounds. Hyundai Motorsport rolls out new i20R5 at something rally. BMW builds home storage unit for used i3 battery packs. Ford Escape ushered into Escape the Room driving challenge. Bentley uses NASA tech to create Mulsanne EWB gigapixel image. Ford's new Focus RS500 to utilize carbon panels and plastic windows? Who knows? It'll still be sturdier though than a soggy salad. I probably should have said an old I probably should have said an old salad, but whatever. Euro end cap. Five stars for the Alfa Romeo Giulia, say at Atika and Volkswagen Tiguan. Aston Martin's new AMG V8 Power Advantage 
caught for the first time on the Nurburgring, though it looks exactly like the DB11 did back in 2015. China cancels JLR and Landwin patents for original and copycat evoke. Guess who benefits? Faraday Future set to test autonomous EVs on California roads. Leaked images suggest many countrymen will offer Eve plug-in hybrid. New Mercedes GLC Coupe goes on sale in the UK from £40,580, or about $46,000 to $47,000. VW launches facelifted up. City car including sporty 89 horsepower turbo model. New Skoda Kodiak SUV does the Nurburgring ground. First of all, V90 rolls off the assembly line. Force India turns its attention to 2017 car design. Tesla makes 2.8 billion offer to acquire Solar City. Audible warning: China failure leads to Chevrolet Spark, Sonic, and Trax recall. McLaren 570S Sprint un unveiled in all of its glory. Volvo S90 and V90 get the R design treat. Mercedes-Maybach S650 land yacht coming. Saab automobile officially becomes Nevs after company fails to secure trademark. So in other words, Saab is dead. Again. For the second time. Saab is dead. <laughs> yeah, so I'm so sad to see Saab go. And now more news on the audible warning chime recall. General Motors has issued a recall for certain Chevrolet Spark, Sonic, and Track tracks models equipped with the bring your own media radio traced back to an earlier repair campaign when dealers attempted to resolve a missing audio audible warning chime the new recall states that the affected radios may fail to provide an audible warning chime if drivers do not fasten their seatbelts or when the key is left in the ignition this means that the three chevys do not comp comply with the requirements of the federal motor vehicle safety standard for occupant crash protection and theft protection and the national highway Traffic Safety Administration states that without audible indicators, the driver may not fasten their seatbelt, increasing the risk of injury during a crash. Well, frankly, it shouldn't take a chime to make someone fasten their seatbelts. If someone doesn't fasten their seatbelts, they need to get pulled over and ticketed. And I mean big-time ticketed, like 500 bucks. Owners of certain 2013-2015 Spark City cars, 2015-2016 Sonic Super Minis, and 2015-2016 Trax Crossovers will be notified by the manufacturer of the condition and will be advised to schedule an appointment with the local dealer, which will update the radio software free of charge. The automaker hasn't provided a notification schedule yet, but concerned customers, can, sorry, but concerned customers can contact the Chevrolet customer line at pay attention 1-800-222-1020 1-800-222-1020 1020 or the NHTSA's vehicle safety hotline at 1-800 no not 1-800 1-888-327-4236 I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I'll see you in the next one you've just listened to Cody's car conundrum be sure to join us every Sunday you can subscribe to Cody's YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash C slash Viper for Life ACR. Be sure to get Cody's books on Amazon at www.amazon.com slash Cody dash Wagner slash E slash capital B zero one nine capital K capital X seven two capital Z eight. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Be sure to follow Cody here so you don't miss any episodes. Bye, until next time.